Hello and welcome. My name is Jill Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. On today's episode, Ian and I are joined by the wonderful Rachel Craw. Rachel is the award-winning author of the Spark Trilogy. She writes speculative fiction for young adults and draws inspiration from classical heroes and popular culture. She divides her time between writing and teaching English and drama. Her latest work, The Rift, is a young adult fantasy novel released in Australia and New Zealand in November 2018. In the media section, we talk contemporary fiction, including Invisibly Breathing by Eileen Merriman, Supernova, The Mountains of Madness, and Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames. For the topic, we talk about moving from one writing project to the next, resisting the hints your story is giving you, as well as overcoming fear. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch via our Twitter, at specficfic, or email in at my email mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We are back at the Brunswick Street Bookstore, and I am joined by Ian, my co-host. Ian, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, Joel. Um, I made it here in one piece, which is always a bonus. Exactly, and on time, too. It's crazy. On time. Every time. Yeah. In one piece and on time. That's my motto, my it's, life motto. It's amazing. <laughs> Words to live by. Yes. Good to have you. How's your Thank week you. been? No, it's been a good week. Uh, I was having a bit of a chat with the crew from the... Uh, Australian short story uh, festival today. That was good fun. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Super so, exciting things in yeah, the pipeline. Good, good chatting to them. Um, and it's always nice to, to talk shop with folks uh, doing an industry event. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we have a guest, a very special one very special. from across the pond, Rachel Craw. Welcome to the podcast <laughs> once Thank again. You. Thank Woo. you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. On this fine <laughs> Melbourne evening. Yes, it is. It's a very nice day today. How have you been finding your time in Melbourne? Um, well, um, I was out visiting bookshops today mm. with the illustrious Sarah Epstein, oh. author of oh. Small Spaces. Mm, indeed. Um, and possibly Sarah was trying to kill me because we walked mm. four miles. And mm. I am somewhat poorly at present. Mm as I contracted what is known as con, con flu. flu. Oh. Um, yes, con and flu. so okay. I was not, I'm quite possibly very high on Dimetap. Mm, but, right. um, and, but no, no, Sarah Epstein was not to be put off by, yeah. by my health issues. She said, you must walk, Rachel. And mm. we walked and walked <laughs> and we visited mm, five bookshops and yeah. it was very excellent, but I am also dead. Yeah, I had a feeling well, that yeah. the corpse wasn't moving. That <laughs> yeah, much. there you uh, go. It's Joel ventrilo- ventriloquism at the moment. It's um, crazy. You, you may also just be experiencing the Melbourne thing where people... I mean, the first time I ever visited Melbourne, um, a friend of ours just walked us what we felt was like to death. And now I realise, having been here for nine odd years, that it was actually just a standard, ridiculous Melbourne walking day. I know, Sarah was like, I've just parked just down the hill there, it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes later, <laughs> we yeah, finally yeah. get to the mm-hmm. car. Yeah, that's not that much walking. I'm like, <laughs> just down the hill? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, after that's three hours of yeah, walking, yeah. <laughs> I was just like... It's not just down the hill, so, Sarah. I assume that we can find we can find her somewhere in a, in, in a hole condition. You didn't, <laughs> She's not even remotely phased. I don't think. She's like <laughs> Melburnians. I yeah, know. very it's smug. Differences. Very smug. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, and well read as well. Speaking of reading, you've been at Supernova, Rachel. Yes, so Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so we've just had Supernova. 
Um, and so that was Friday night, Saturday, um, and all day Sunday. Mm. And um, we were at the QBD signing table in one of the big pavilions where all of the things are. Yeah. Um, and so I was at the signing table with Alan Baxter, um, Lynette Nonny, um, Corey J. White, Marley um, Ward. Uh, who else was there? Katya Debussera. She's a mm, mm. debut novelist. Yep. Um, Astrid Schultz mm-hmm. um, yep. from For Dead Queens fame. Jodie, uh, amazing, glorious Jodie McAllister, mm, whom wow. I am quite in love with. <laughs> and the one and only V.E. Schwab. Yes. Um, Victoria Schwab. Great. And she was... Pretty darn amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and Can did you have say. what was like the most interesting conversation that you had? Well, one of the panels. Oh well, on the Saturday we had a part one and a part two on the on mm. the Sunday. So our, our it was all women, and we were discussing mm-hmm. um, uh, how powerful female women are mm. written in fantasy. Mm. Um, science fiction and horror and just quietly mm. on the side we were all a bit like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. let's just have the same conversation <laughs> that we've all been having for the last eight years right nice. so because it's you know that's just cle- cleverly disguised um, writing strong female protagonists sure. yes mm, of course. Um, and so we were all a bit like <laughs> you know here yeah. we go again However, the conversation mm. was outstanding. That's good. And, um, yeah, really stimulating and amazing. Mm. And um, I was kind of really super glad to be on the panel mm. with Jodie McAllister mm. because she's a genius yep. and she has all the answers. <laughs> so we had a couple of those, you know, eye-rolly questions sure. from a, a, um, a few people in the audience. And yeah. and I was like, and Jodie. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. she was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like all these amazing you know, mm. really great answers, and yeah. and I was like, "What she said?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. The tough questions. Yeah. I know, no, no. But it was really good, and mm. um, and for me, the thing that I I love the most about those kinds of panel um, situations is you get to have you get to have that little sneak peek or insight into another person's sure. process, and, yeah. and that's always what is probably the most interesting thing to mm. me about it, is yeah, yeah, yeah. hearing, you know, oh, okay, so that's the way they approach it. Like, for instance, Katya mm, mm. Um, is super learned, mm. right? <laughs> yep. Super yeah. learned. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she has this really scientific and yeah. psychological yep. approach to to mm. uh, the nuances in her storytelling. And I'm like, dude, I could listen to her mm. talk about it. And also mm. she has a really cool Russian accent. Yes, yes very which cool. Which kind yes. of, you know, um, is particularly cool. So mm. I really loved listening to her. And listening to Astrid was very cool for me as well because I felt like Astrid would keep saying things. And I'd think like, yeah, that's exactly how I see it. And, sure. and I felt like listening to her, I felt like we had a very similar process. Mm. Mm. And she's a very visual writer and, and she comes at her work from quite a sensory point mm. of view. Yeah, it's and very so, filmic, for sure. Yeah, so yeah. her starting point for a story is, uh, is often a, a visual prompt mm. will come mm-hmm. like that. And that is very much my process mm. as yeah. well. Like I... And yeah. like her story, um, her Four Dead Queens was inspired by a dream and the mm. Spark series was inspired by a dream and mm. um, the book that I'm currently working on was inspired by a dream. And so I often enter the world of my story first through that visual mm. 
um, I see something and then I'm like, what, what is that? And I'm asking questions about yeah. what that is. So it was very cool to hear that. And she's a hardcore pantser as well, oh. which I am also. Oh, wow. Okay. A yeah. Cool. And so whenever I meet other I pantsers, I'm like, hold mm-hmm. me and be uh, my friend. Yeah. You know, the only affirm me. Oh, affirm no. me in my terrible life choices. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. I know the feeling exactly. <laughs> Ian is looking disapprovingly yeah, no, at, no, I can't. at both of I just, us. I know. Right. And what like, can I do? Do you know, there's, and always there's that part of me, that secret part of me that fears that I'm not really a proper writer until I can learn how to plot. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't feel legitimate yet. Yeah. And yet I cannot plot to save myself. Yeah. And whenever I try, it is just such a train wreck and an exercise in torture. And yeah. I want to talk in a meme for a second. You know, you've seen the meme with the two (laughs) strong arms kind of holding each other on something they agree on. You know, you've got pencils, you've got plotters. One thing we can all agree on is uh, that we can't stand being told, well, Stephen King doesn't like this and that's the only way to do it. So I feel like that's, that's the happy yeah, medium the right King there. Club. The King yeah. Club. Well, actually, my, the very yeah. first time I'd ever heard like a legitimate author confess mm. to being a pantser was John mm. Marsden. Oh, really? And oh, that wow. was when I went oh, to... I didn't know he was a pantser. Mm. I went to... What was it? It was the Perth Writers Festival. It yeah. was my first ever wow, Writers Perth. Festival. Yeah, Long it was way my to go. first ever Writers yeah. Festival. Mm. And I was sitting there and like just to go... I was just sitting in the audience so that I could worship John from afar. <laughs> mm. And um, and then when he was like, oh, you know, I don't do any plotting. I, I'm, I'm a pantser. I was just like, validation. Validation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, John Marston doesn't doesn't plot. I'm like, yes. I mm. I'm vindicated. I, I, that's, yeah. I'm totally vindicated, yeah. And goodness. so I'm like that whenever I meet a writer who confesses to being a, a pantser and I'm like, oh. Thank you. Is it, is it just another level of literary pretension that we're working through that you can't be a pantser? Like, is that just another thing that, that in the, you know, how there's, there's things you have to work through in the world of literature mm, where absolutely. people love just to have an excuse to look down on someone. It, it, surely we shouldn't look down at people for See, pantser. I, right? I don't, I don't no, think. No, you shouldn't look down yeah. on us. You should feel sorry for us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't you think. you should send us care packages and I, you yeah. should stroke I, us constantly. I feel like I hear from, <laughs> I just feel like whenever I hear from pantsers, they're, they're somewhat apologetic or like, Kind of, it's we see, are, yeah. we are perpetually embarrassed. Right. We're sorry, but I'm we're sorry. Emba- I think we're embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> we're embarrassed, even if no one says a mean thing to yeah. us. I know, because I think all of us are, who are who are planners are just like, wow, okay, good on you. Like, and because you see the finished product, and you're like, mm. yeah, great, well done, fantastic. Yeah. But like, we're like, we're a monster. <laughs> no, I, we are. Yeah, and I also feel like ultimately. You know, we might actually end up at the same place, mm. yeah. except that you'll get there without, like, you know, killing yourself. Like, yeah, whereas, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. for me, I feel like my process is, I, I often Incredibly describe it trying. as, like, running yeah. through a forest mm. at high speed, wearing a blindfold, mm. and just bang, crash, yeah. bang, crash. Yeah. But, you know, snap your shin on yeah, something, yeah, yeah. fall in a hole, crawl out, keep yeah, going, yeah, yeah. keep going, mm. and... And I, yeah, and so I, I feel like that my process is is <laughs> is not pretty. It's not yeah. a pretty process, and it's incredibly slow. And I, that's the thing that I regret the most about not being able to plot, hmm. is that I am so slow, and I and I feel like, and I often bemoan mm. the slowness of my process, and that I feel like I, I have a very slow moving brain. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, brain, you can do it. And mm. I'm like, my brain's like, I don't know about that, Rachel. You know, and so I'm yeah. just like, oh man, I wish, and because then you know, my conclusions come to me slowly, and then yeah. like when they come, I'm mm. just like, dude, why couldn't I? 
found mm. that answer. Come to that like a million know, years ago. weeks ago. Yeah. It's so, so painful. What you're saying is the mind is like run, forest, run, and yeah. the body is like Bubba Gump. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. And there's this plot point and this plot point. Oh, on this plot point, and it's like, can we just get out of here, you know? I think the reason that we feel so bad is because we hear stories from planners, and they sound remarkably put together Mm. and not insane. Like, the last podcast that we did was with Catherine Collette, and Catherine, Mm. you know, uh, incredible writer, I'm sure, at the helpline, and she was talking about the process of first drafting. And the way she described it, I felt like a crab just slowly, like, receding into my shell, like, mm-hmm. not wanting to ask any questions. Because, because she was a plotter. Because she was a plotter. Oh, yeah. And, and I just felt like, I, I just run into trees, Catherine. <laughs> like, you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> exactly. So I don't think it's anybody actually saying feel bad. I think mm-hmm. it's just the fact that you see a really well right. put together yes. structure yeah, yeah. and you realize, I yes. don't have that. But, do you know, the thing is, it's like I look at my work, you know, and retrospectively, mm. I look at my work and it's full of structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, well, how the yeah. did I yeah, get yeah, there? Yeah, you yeah know? exactly. And it was through ugly, painful, yeah. slow means. And yeah. um, I just wish that I I had that ability to see it in advance, but I really don't. Yeah, and it's the uh, it's the opening scene from George of the Jungle. You remember when Brendan Fraser is swinging from tree <laughs> to tree and he <laughs> hits every single tree on his <laughs> way to it? That's what I, was in my head when you were telling us <laughs> yeah. story. It's very similar. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, let's move swiftly on, shall we, to our media section. Mm. Um, mm. So, Rachel, you were at Supernova and you saw some people... I saw some famous, famous people. That's right. I talked to Toby Stevens about pumpkin soup, and so wow. I'm pretty sure we're best friends now. So. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> of, of Black Sales. Black that, uh, Sales. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Stevens. you totally didn't just learn that before the podcast. I didn't learn that before the podcast. <laughs> I'm you? a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> I love that sci-fi show. Um, that's good. <laughs> hey, it's pirates on a pirate ship. It's oh, fantastic. yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, Though our... he also plays the dad in Lost in Space. Which oh. is an amazing show. Which is an amazing Reboot. I just love it. No, don't say that. Hush your mouth, man. I just remember the original, so you know. No, it's so good. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Brilliant reinterpretation. I love everything about it. Yeah, absolutely. And he is amazing. Yeah, he's Captain James Flint in space, as I like to say. (laughs) So (laughs) it's incredible. Yeah, it's just slightly less conflicted. I think. Yeah, less and less intense. Yeah, Yeah, less likely to stab you. Yeah. Perhaps in the That's eye, nice. you know, on meeting you. Yeah, so, which is fine. Which is fine. It's, it's fine. I still love him yeah, for that. It's anyway. great. Um, <laughs> do, through all of that, have you managed to see, watch, or read anything? Yes. So um, I have been reading quite a few things lately. Mm-hmm. I, I've just finished reading um, a. Now, this is. Actually, I was having this conversation <laughs> with Sarah Epstein today that I confessed to her. I said, I almost would never choose to read. Mm. Contemporary fiction. Mm. That's like it's just not my jam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But because so many of my mates write it, mm. I inevitably read their books yeah, because yeah. I love them. And mm. every single time, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like I love it. Like I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I read um, just uh, uh, late last year, reading Emily Gale's mm. I Am Out with Lanterns, <sighs> and I'm like, this won't be my jam. And it yeah. was, <gasps> yeah. Mm. It's incredible. Every page is gold. (laughs) I love everything. Emily Gale is my queen. You know, I just, I just absolutely loved it. And because I had told her, like, I hate like multiple narrative point of views. Like, no, no, no. I'm like, I love every narrative point of view. Like, it was so good. And um, 
And so other really good friends of mine who write contemporary, like every time, you know, I read mm. their work, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so beautiful. I love it. I'm like totally, mm. totally gripped. And yet it's still, if I went into a bookshop, probably not the first thing that I would choose, yeah. but I still love it. So anyway, so I've been reading a few contemporaries lately for, I've been asked to do some review writing mm-hmm. um, back in New Zealand and it is an author, a New Zealand author by the name of Eileen Merriman and her book, Invisibly Breathing, mm. I just read. And it's a contemporary love story about two boys in a New Zealand high school. Mm. And I was just totally mm. captured. Like, mm. it just totally captured me. I just fell in love with both of the boys. I was just like, I don't know which boy I love more. Like, they were just mm. these beautiful, broken heartfelt authentic real gritty like i just loved everything about it it was Mm. beautiful i Mm. highly recommend it um and i also read um a novel by um actually she's another walker books author new zealand author tina shaw Mm. who wrote a novel called ursa Mm. and it is kind of like a alternate history um, kind of like if you read it, you would definitely see notes of like Nazi Germany mm. type of vibe. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. that uh, like a cultural, fascist regime, yeah, fascist yeah. regime. Yeah. Um, and then uh, about a boy who who's in the lower caste of the community, mm. kind mm. of trying to find his way. That was just so raw, so captivating. Mm. I totally loved that. Um, and then in my in my wheelhouse of, mm. of more uh, fantasy sci-fi that I love, I am totally obsessed with Catherine Arden's um, The Bear and the Nightingale. Mm. Have you guys no. seen that? <gasps> it is amazing. It's mm. uh, That's the first novel in a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second one is called The Girl in the Tower. And I'm not sure what the third one is called, but that's just recently come out. Mm. Um, and it's they kind of term it like a literary fairy tale, mm. which I um, recoil against because mm. I really hate yep. the snobbery in that statement. Like, it's like, a literary it's a fairy tale. Literary Take fairy it tale. seriously, everybody. Therefore, yeah, it is worth yeah. Something. <laughs> and, um, you can edit makes, to the pantheon. Yes, of which yeah. makes me want to kick shins yeah. and tip tables. Mm. Um, but <laughs> I love it and. For a number of reasons, like it's definitely got that fairy tale vibe. It's set in sort of medieval Russia, mm. Ooh. and it just ticks every box for yeah. me. Like yeah. the writing is like honey. Like mm. I'm just like, oh, mm. every word yeah. is yep. so beautiful, and I just want to roll around in the pages and <laughs> go, ah. <"Aww." laughs> and um, and then the storytelling itself is the actual story mm. is just this gripping narrative of this young girl. Yeah. Um, who's really a social outcast and, and everybody thinks that she's a witch. Yeah. Um, but just because she's different and and she mm. sees the world differently and um, and it's kind of magical realism and there's a frost demon who is just mm. this amazing character who follows through her life. And anywho, I could not put that down. Mm. My husband actually bought that me for me for me for Christmas. Mm. Yeah. And I read it in like a day and a half and was useless yeah. to my family yeah. because I was like, ah, <laughs> This book is so good. The best yeah. thing ever. You know, yeah. so I just love that. Mm. Um are we on to viewing? Because I've got some viewing um Go recommendations. Yeah. Um so <coughs> excuse me. So, 
I just finished binge watching the latest season of Peaky Blinders. Oh, oh. okay. And I have me some major Tom crush Shelby. on Tom Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that show. And this season was outstanding. And in fact, I felt like it was much... Like, mm. I loved season three, mm. but this was top-notch. Mm. Thomas Shelby loved every single minute so, of it. So I tapped out after season one. I really liked it. I don't know what came up, but I just mm. tapped out. Mm. Should I keep come going? Back. You think, come, come back. You think, come back, Joel. Come back, come right. back. Yeah, so good. And and I think probably, I mean, Thomas Shelby mm. is, you know, just one of my favorite types of characters yeah. in that he mm. is so flawed yeah. mm. and so broken. An anti-hero, right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so flawed and so broken and yet... You know, you cannot, yeah. you cannot not you, yeah. love him and mm. be rooting for him. Yeah, and his family. Oh my goodness, and the um, Polly, his aunt. Yeah, I just she is oh, the yeah. queen. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. She is just I can't remember the lady's name, but she is amazing. Like she's yeah. just masterful mm. performance. And then in a slight shift in tone, mm-hmm. just over the last two days, I started watching The Punisher. Oh. You guys oh. been watching The Punisher? I have finished that season. I love it. Yeah. I was it's so incredible. impressed. And yeah. a friend of mine, Trinity Doyle, mm. no less, actually was like, right, she got to watch The Punisher. And I'm like, mm. Mm, really? The Punisher? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I'm like, mm. yeah. And then she's like, no, you'll you really love it. And it's so, really empathetic. Holy yeah. moly. It's it incredible. is so good. Like the writing is yep. so good. Mm. And, um, and it keeps doing things that I don't expect, which mm. I'm like, how does the that yeah. happened. Yep. This is the Punisher. I know yeah. exactly what to expect, and yet it does. It's very griefy, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's dripping with just sadness. Yeah. Every yeah. single scene is just really morbid. And I was, you know, a big fan of the dude who plays the Punisher. Yeah, um, John from, Bernthal, yeah. From um, The Walking Dead. Like right, I, just thought, I haven't seen that. He's just Ian, a, Ian would know really? all about that. Just yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, who's He's Shane. The He's Shane oh, in yeah, The Walking yeah, right. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yep. And I, I, I always really loved him like when he is not a sympathetic character he always gravitates to really intense people yes Mm. but but what a masterful performance and i kind of feel like he brings all of that kind of broken you know moral flaws Mm. um you know in a turmoil to this so i'm super impressed so last night i'm pretty sure i watched like mm, three episodes before i tapped out it's really so, so are you on season one I am still on season one. Yeah, I must be just coming to the end okay. of season one. Season two. How many I, seasons are there? I, I, there's only two. <gasps> and then it got cancelled. Yeah, it got cancelled. Oh, what, what the? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, rage yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Flip tables. It's I know. Terrible. I'm so upset. Oh, Thing man, is, I'm so gutted. <laughs> I will say they did end season two in a way that makes me entirely happy that it finished. Okay. Not because I don't think they could tell better stories or more stories. But they didn't feel like, oh, and then what's yeah, going to yeah. happen? I guess we'll never know. Okay. It, it does end well. So they obviously knew that it was finishing. And yeah. they, they've, obvi- yeah, yeah. Okay. And they've written it, ri- and I dare say season two is better than season one. Mm. Okay. Right, i got to go check it out now, right? Yeah. Ian, yeah. how about you? What about your media? Oh, man. Well, Give it to me. <clears throat> no, the most recent thing uh, in preparation for Speculate, I, I dived finally into H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's uh, <laughs> Mountains of Madness after Joel like, oh, wow, told me really? to read it a year yeah, ago or shocking. something. Yeah, so that Crazy. was great. Great. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was some good, good, um, 
good reading and mm-hmm. I watched a few things and uh, read a few short stories in preparation but yeah it was fantastic uh, let's let's not skip over this know, as you just did let's, let's rewind it a little bit yeah. so tell me about the seminal work that you know started genres and and that you didn't read how did you find it well I did read it didn't yeah. I eventually yeah. uh, just give me time Joel give me time <laughs> and I'm not patting the baby to sleep I'm uh-huh. gonna read it don't um, guilt me with this that was really passive aggressive mm-hmm. wasn't it, it was very, so, very, yeah. very, very. <laughs> very um, but yeah look it was, it was great I mean it, it's it's a hard read to get into at first. It's very like um, it's dense to wade through, and you kind of feel like it's an amazing amount of scientific explanation of what's yeah. happening and beating around the bush. Like it's the kind of thing that an editor would take one look at, or you know, a publisher would take one look at it and just be like, "Come back to me when you cut away the fluff, please," because <laughs> yes. it's, it's just so it's long-winded. Very dense. Yeah, and um, similar to the pace of the story, it really it does pick up a lot towards the end as the actual horror of everything unfolds. Mm. Um, but it, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing, and, and in talking about it at Speculate on the on the panel, you know there are so many things in there which uh, are you know seminal and really set things up. A, a classic example being like the dogs barking because they don't like something that's been mm. found. I mean, how many movies have you seen with the dogs barking at something they don't like? That is the beginning of a horror sequence Absolutely. or something yeah. scary, right? Um, yeah, so that was uh, it was really interesting to to get to finally read Lovecraft. And- which- and as a and as a PSA as well, like uh, th- there was something I'm not sure it was whether it was discussed on the panel or not because I wasn't there for half of it because mm. you know festival that's just how it goes. Mm. Um, but a lot of people they they can't get uh, you can't say H.P. Lovecraft without giant in capital letters racism. So mm. yeah, like there's a lot of that in in his writing, mm. but at the same time, The Mounds of Menace I think is the closest you can get without pretty much any of that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, again, he was a very troubled dude, and there's a lot of history behind that, but, mm. that he, you know, he started genres, and you can't, and you can't deny that as well. So it's a very, it's mm. a murky thing, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Mounds of Menace, I loved it. I thought it was very dense, mm. like you said. I think, and tell me if I'm off beat here, do you think China Meville is the best that Lovecraft could be? Oh yeah, actually that's a, that's a good way of putting it. China mm. Mills, um, like in terms yeah, of his prose, I mean, yeah, his in terms of his like prose. I mean, Baruch. I've got about three chapters into <laughs> Petito Street Station, yeah. so that's where I paused. Mm. And it, it is incredible writing, though. Like it's just, yeah, it is very. It's the kind of writing you read it, and it feels like the pinnacle of something. Yes, it might not be what I'm aiming for, but it's it's yeah. the pinnacle of whatever it is he's trying to do. The Baroque writing, as you would call it, John. Yeah. It's right there. And yeah, it is very heavily Lovecraft influenced. So I can read China Merville a lot easier than I can read um, Absolutely. Lovecraft. But there's also context to that, you know, like we're going back to whatever, you know, the time that Lovecraft was writing in. It's just so, it's so different. Mm. I was, I loved it because I've been reading about some of the Antarctica um, exploration that yeah. happened in Scott. Yeah, it's an amazing Scott setting. Scott and the Munsden racing to the pole and true horror happening there. If you want to read some true horror, go read, um, yeah. in terms of actual stuff, read uh, Scott's diary. From the end yeah. there, when they, you know, when one dude just walks out into the cold and dies, dies. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's just writing about the end is coming. I hope it comes swiftly. Like that is reading that yeah. grips you as well. And the thought of this barren uh, place. And back when Lovecraft was writing, you know, there was all this un- 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 unknown exactly. yeah. part to it. You know, it wasn't like you could just uh, hop in a supersonic jet and see the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah, it was fascinating coming to it from that perspective. I really loved it. Incredible. He's a. It's it's really interesting whenever you dig into like the past of a genre, right? Mm-hmm. And then like see all the gnarliness that existed 
that started it. I'm not sure why we why we get fixated sometimes at coming back to the um, to only look at the problematic aspects of things, and mm. rather than saying we know that the world, just as we would hope that we are developing as people Absolutely. over time, we would hope that we can recognize when something is is problematic and say I can I can read this and see it through those, and I can be grateful that we're not. That we're not still there that in we're certain not there, places. Yeah. yeah, and, and mm. a reminder that in some parts of the world we are still in certain places. Mm. So taking it as a whole picture yeah. is and really And seeing important. that the genre has moved past those kinds of prejudices yeah. as well. And that's just something worth celebrating. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was good it was good for me to go to Lovecraft. I mean, I feel like I need to do a bit more to really fully grasp it. Sure. And I, I think that in terms of the incredible stuff that it spawned, it, mm. it comes to its full zenith in, in visual aspect in Bloodborne, the, the game. Yeah. So I was, I also went on about that a fair bit at the at the festival. It's probably yeah. people might think I talk too much as a result, but <laughs> I, um, I I love. Um, yeah, that's what got me. That I retrofitted myself to Lovecraft because of seeing mm. something that was so heavily influenced and playing it and loving it. Uh, you know, it was great for me to go back and see what started it all. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I've got a quick one. I've just finished reading a book called Kings of the Wild. Um, and I'm going to do that terrible thing where I forget the author's name. Uh, and uh, Kings of the Wild um, is a fantasy debut, I believe. Mm. Um, and I was really surprised. So I haven't read a lot of fantasy recently. Mm. Um, this year has been my time to get back to the, you know, the genre that I write in. So mm. it's time to read a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I worked my way through um, a bunch of different authors, China Merville, um, as well as Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. So I'm in that yeah. mood, right? Is, it, um, is that uh, by Nicholas Eames? Is that it? Wow, amazing. It. You I just, just picked <laughs> that out of your head. Out of thin air, just yeah. not on my nice. phone. Not, not at all. Yeah, Nicholas Eames. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. And had Nick. Yeah, yeah, Nick. Nick. Yeah, Great Nick. guy. Um, <laughs> so, so Nick wrote this book, right? Yeah, Kings yeah. of the Wild. And I, I read it, and I have to admit, I was enthralled. Mm. Like, beginning to That's ending, cool. it's mm. incredible. I think it has almost nothing to do with the world he created, because mm. he, I think, intentionally created a world... Um, that's very traditional fantasy, right? right. So it, you know, I don't think the world tries to do anything that different, mm. but he focuses so heavenly, uh, heavily on personality. Mm. The characters just take up so much space in the room. Mm. You know, if you put these people, they would just suck the oxygen out of the yeah. room. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm. They're the voice, uh, the prose, it's incredible. Mm. Um, Kings of the Wild with W-Y-L-D. Mm. Um, highly recommend it. The way he um, the way he uh, pitches it is that it's a mercenary band um, which apes the idea of like a, a '70s rock band, right? Right, with a frontman and all this sort of stuff, mm. right? So how you would imagine a mercenary band within the setting of a rock mm. band, and yep. then the band getting back together to do this big thing, yeah. You know, so they're all older characters. You know, they're all a bit um, you know creaky, mm. but. They have so much character and, you know, highly recommended. It's mm. a really impressive debut. Nice. So there you go. Um, so shall we move on to the topic? Talking about impressive writing um, uh. and impressive writers. Rachel, so you moved on from a trilogy slap yeah. bang into a new piece of work mm. with The Rift. And I think I'm interested in talking about the book, but also in the greater context of... Um, What's that like? You know, having a project that takes up a good amount of time, um, a long stretch of brain writing, basically. Yeah. 
Is there a process of like unwriting yourself from that book when you go into a new series? You know, talk me through that idea. What I, was the inception? And I yeah. wonder if um, the publishing process itself mm. does that job for you. Sure. Like it unwrites you from it because mm. the, you know, the publication process mm. is so long winded. Um, so the last book of the Spark trilogy, um, which is called Shield, mm. that. You know, it would have been, uh, would have reached, you know, copy edit stage, proofreading stage, all of that, um, you know, a good nine to ten months before it even goes to print. Mm. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's making its slow journey to the, to the, book, to the bookshelves. Yeah. And so the the process of you know those those last parts of of proofreading copy edits revisions line edits you know mm. um mm. In, inevitably destroys you yeah. you know you're yeah. way over it by yeah, the time okay. it, by the time they it goes to print yeah and um i i think i was just so ready to to find a new voice sure. so ready to be in another world and mm. um so ready to yeah be in somebody else's head other than yeah. other mm. than Evie yeah. though I loved Evie in mm. um in the Spark mm. trilogy but uh, it's a very a very narrow tight intense place mm. to be for yeah. for a long time sure. so I was just really excited to get into a different world mm. and mm. to get into different characters' heads and so. Um, when so when did Shield come out? So that came out in September 2016, mm. and then I gave myself uh, like a free pass to mm. just do nothing mm. sure. over that Christmas mm. to just go. You know what? Just leave it. Detox. Mm. Yeah, get, let it let it go for a bit, and then I just gave myself the goal. Like I had made. Um, sort of vague promises to my editor mm. that I would um, I would present something to her mm. by March the next year. So in that time, like, I can remember, so Sheil was about to come out. So it was 2016. I was at the New Zealand Book Awards for children and young adults. Mm. My editor had come over because mm. Stray was in the running. Mm. Um, <laughs> won an award that year. Yes, <laughs> it did. Excellent. <laughs> um, and I can remember afterwards when we were celebrating um, mm. at back at the hotel having a drink and I and trying to explain to her my idea for mm. the rift. Yep. And and I can remember like I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like maybe some shapeshifter story. And this is what I'm saying to Mary. Her name was Mary yeah. Verney. Mm. Like, so I'm saying, Mary, you know, I'm thinking I've got this image of a, of a dude who can turn into a stag and, and um, I'm thinking it's probably going to be set on an island. And, and I can, I can remember <laughs> watching Mary's face, yep. watching her eyes glaze mm. over and watching her face go, ah, Mm. Yeah. Um, and like as, as I butchered it, yeah, like sure. this idea that was just sort of in the back of mm. my mind, mm. and I'm like, uh, and I could tell that she was like, mm. Mm. you know, give it time to yeah. just <laughs> give it time to like, you know, and I'm like, not happen, yeah, you know, <laughs> to, wow. to develop, and and um, and I was just like, okay, 
wow. not selling it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not selling it to Work Mary. on pitch, <laughs> she wrote on the <laughs> napkin. <laughs> and of course, you know, an, any kind of new idea is just mm. an, impossible to articulate and yeah. you yeah, can absolutely. do nothing but butcher it. Mm. And um, <laughs> so I, you know, t- took that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, all right then. <laughs> take, take it back to the board. And um, just let myself sort of brew on that for a while. And so... Mm. I had, I guess, and this is often my problem, is that mm. I'm trying to accomplish too much. Sure. Like one yeah, yeah. I'm like, mm. I want to do this and I want to do this. And, um, but so, yeah, so different from, from the Spark Trilogy, which was inspired by a dream. This time it was more like a, a, like a wish list mm, of, sure. you know, bucket These are the list. things I, I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to write a shapeshifter yeah. story and I want to write something set on an island and I want to do 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 And that kind of came about in a couple of ways. Like uh, one of my, well, my all-time favorite YA novel mm, is mm. Um, The Scorpio Races by Maggie Stafada. Mm, right. who I worship. I just love her. And I particularly um, like, you know, when people ask, you know, if, if, if you could have written a book, what, yep. which book which do you wish you could yeah, have written? Yeah. And for me, it's The Scorpio Races. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish so hard to have written that <laughs> book. Um, and, and, um, and another friend of mine, uh, actually Trinity Doyle, I can remember having an argument with her about this mm. book. And she's like, ah, oh, Rach. That book. And she's like, I don't really know what you, why do you love it so yeah, much? Yeah, and yeah. she was sort of saying, oh, she's like, Steph Ada, she just sacrifices everything for tone. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's I what love she it. Yeah. does. And yeah. that's what I love. And mm. I'm happy to report that Trinity went and reread it um, a, a few months later. And then she was like, she came back to me and she said, I was totally wrong and you were right. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> um, and so she came round and she loved it. So that was good. Anywho, so one of the things I really particularly loved about Maggie Stefaden's mm. Scorpio races is is very much the geography of the story. Sure. And, and, uh, and that's what I was longing for, like it really mm, resonated mm. in my spirit, so to speak, mm-hmm. that I wanted to, I really wanted to confine the story mm. inside a very defined geographical mm. location. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, so that the walls of the story would go no further than, yep. than the, the borders of, of sure. the island. Yeah, and yeah. So mm. That's what I was really looking for as well. And, um, and so I really, really wanted to set my story mm. on an island. And so when with my shapeshifter, mm. <laughs> my dude who could turn into a stag. <laughs> mm. um, yep. And so I'm like, okay, Rach, what are we doing here? And I thought like, well, for sure, there's going to be pre-existing mm. mythology, right? Yep. And I'm like, okay, so Got get it. on the old Google, yeah. find that out. <laughs> and of course, there are a bunch of different mm. mytho- mythological yeah. stories about guys who turn into stags. and. Mm. Um, and the one that particularly drew me was the story of Actian, um, who was an unfortunate fellow who mm. was a hunter who goes out into the woods one night with his dogs, going to do a bit of hunting, spies the lovely goddess Artemis bathing naked in the woods. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hmm, and takes his time, good, takes his good time having a wee look at that. And she is not best pleased and curses him. Um, and he turns into a stag and then is ripped apart by his own hunting dogs. Mm. And I was like, damn, that is. Yep. That, that is that's gold. the source material. That You're like, gold. that's the moment. That is right it. There. That's it right yeah. there. That's <laughs> it. That's exactly what I'm looking for. 
And um, but I knew that I didn't want to. I knew that I didn't want to write a straight adaptation. Sure. I wasn't yeah, really yeah. interested in trying to kind of make the myth my own. Mm. I was more interested in like stealing it. Mm. And um, and so as all speculative mm. fiction writers do, I asked mm. myself the question: What if yep. Actian didn't die? And what if that curse stayed in his bloodline and then traveled down through generation to generation to generation and and that that curse would always be drawing those hounds yeah. through time and space, that they would mm. always be drawn to destroying Actian's bloodline. Now, the mm. premise you describe sounds remarkably well put together, right? Did that mm. happen? Like, you know, <laughs> and, and that isn't necessarily how every writer feels straight after a book. They don't necessarily yeah. have an idea, right? Mm. Now, let's let's break this apart let's a little bit. down now. Yeah, yep. let, let, let's <laughs> go into this a little bit. Mm. Uh, Ian, with you, you've worked on a, a number of different projects mm. over, the, over your time. Did you feel that way? Like moving from one project to another one where you're like, yep, I got this. This is the idea. Let's go. Yeah, I, I, I think some I think some writers or mm. many writers, and you can tell me if you guys feel differently, have we do. ideas you tuck up with. Yeah. Right, great. So no one else, everyone has a single idea. But the idea you're is wrong. The, yeah. Yeah. You're just wrong. Well, it's been fun, guys. <laughs> My contribution go is over. On. You know the, the, the novel in the, in the bottom drawer, right? The, yeah, the yeah. thing that you always been meaning to write. Mm. So I think that um, you kind of tuck these ideas away and, um, and see how they go. Mm. And you write, you're waiting for the right time to, um, to think about that. Mm. So... Uh, for me, I've, I've always found that I, I agree with Rachel that you, you kind of work yourself out of, uh, mm. out of stories. And I, I started with, you know, novellas that I always knew I'd come back to writing mm. detective stories in this world. But I think what I've, what I've managed to, to kind of hold on to is that I'm working all of my stories so far have been within the same universe. universe. Yeah. So that's right. held them together. Mm. So I've just kind of moved and, uh, you know, segmented off places within one continent, which has been kind of uh, an easy way to move between things. Mm. And you can just kind of use some literary devices to say, well, that's why they couldn't go over those mountains. And that'll work. <laughs> uh, onwards, you know. It's very Skyrim or nice. something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah look, I, I think that getting finding a new voice, though, this this is a really interesting yeah. thought and you can get a bit sick of a certain voice and I remember when I first came on to the podcast I just finished writing th the first drafts of the series and that's how I ended up stumbling into this bookstore many moons ago mm -hmm. and you know you kind of I think there's a certain point you come to the end of something and you say well it's a weird feeling but you know when it's over I think yeah that's a time when you begin to divorce yourself slowly yeah and yeah. and there are times that I think that okay so here's a little bit of like uh, um, not not so much guilt, but there's just shame when you finish a book and then and then you're like, okay, here's a new idea. There might be that crippling feeling of, can I do it again? Mm. Have mm. I got what it takes? Have you ever felt that, Rachel, where you're like, maybe that trilogy I feel like that was every just? Every day I sit down and try to <laughs> open my laptop, like, uh, oh dear God, I yeah. don't know how to make words. No, yeah. no, yeah. I think I think I don't. I think that there are a few writers who don't experience that. I'm right, sure. Yeah. I'm sure it must be the collective angst of, mm. of all writers everywhere. Um, mm. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely have that fear. But, I mean, the thing that always overcomes that mm. is just the love of words. It's sure. The, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the joy of making words. And so even though I, I'm like, what if this sucks? Then, <laughs> well, I, I'm still not going to not write. I'm, mm. I mean, I yeah. have to do it. And so... That's the thing that kind of pushes you past that fear to to, yeah. to get going. And I, I do think, though, 
I do think though when you've when you've been able to complete a manuscript, mm. even if you've never brought it yeah. to any kind of publication, mm. at least you have physical evidence before mm. your yep. eyes that says, actually, you you, you can complete. Yeah. Mm. You know, you can you're a finisher. You can get to the finish line, and mm. and even just having that evidence there. I mean, like. Mm. I was talking to Nicole Hayes about this mm, um, the mm, other yeah. day, and we were talking about how you know, you every like you know every author, every writer in their process. We we I'm okay. That's a broad generalization. Me and Nick. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both like you know always in our journey. You have that moment of death, that mm. moment of oh dear God, all is lost. You know, mm. I yeah. can't do this. This is too hard. And it's kind of like our own hero's journey. Sure. While yeah, we're yeah, writing yeah. our hero's journey is that you do, mm. you do have that moment of all is lost and this is too hard. And, and mm. what was I thinking? Mm. And finally my hubris will be revealed. Yeah. I'll be found out. I'll be found out for the yeah. fraud that yeah. I am. Mm. And yeah. you'll all finally know. Yeah. And, um, and so I do think, that that is something that I have experienced with every novel that mm. I've 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 written, and sometimes multiple times. But where where do you think the is the, the strongest of that feeling? Like where in the drafting process? I would say for me, it is almost always in um in the third in yeah, that in that third. That's that's yeah. where it happens to uh, me. I, We're I all sighing. <laughs> 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 I, that's yeah. weird. So last last uh, last time I was on the podcast, we did we I talked about just doing you know sh- we were talking with uh, uh, JP Pomeray about yeah. um, about you know just getting on and doing things. Mm. And so I've really the last year having had a young a young baby, uh, I've just gone to write a shitty novel because like, I had this new concept to go on. I'm yeah, like I'm just yeah. going to do this because all writing is practice, as, mm-hmm. as he was saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And um and but man, you know what? Where it's paused right now is just the absolute. They're like go flying out of this spot. I'm like, yes, that's resolved. What the hell am I doing now? <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, so that was, and that was, you know, a few months ago. <laughs> and so yeah. here you are, because I think you, you get to a certain point where you're just like, okay. And f- for me, I find I have to let it rest a bit. Mm. Um, and it's, that's my pensing moment, maybe. As Catherine Collette uh, said on the last podcast, mm. Stephen King mentioned that you take six weeks after you finish your novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's a good good way to breathe. You think you'll take that advice, uh, Ian? I, you know I love a good Stephen King piece of advice, Joel. Um, and uh, that's why I'm definitely going to do that. Look, I've look. taken two blocks of six weeks, so I'm going to be doubly like, amazing. Doubly yeah, amazing. Look, doubly knock it. it all you want, but that is actually not that is good bad advice. advice. That is actually really good advice. Look, I mean, yeah, you're right. But I think, I, I do wonder, um, in terms of the voice, mm. Rachel, so coming to the, mm. coming to the rift, did you, was there a certain point where you had a, conf- a conflict with voice or did you find that it naturally kind of grew uh, what I do is mm. so because I often start I often start with uh, like we were talking earlier my starting point is is often a visual thing mm. and a, a, or a physical it's a it's a sensory physical thing coming yeah. into that space and then and so that invites me into the world and then I'm discovering the world and then I've, inevitably I have to get to the question of well who is in this mm. world yeah, right. and yeah. who do I care about who mm. am I who who am I going to give my allegiance to and, mm. and um and I had anticipated that I would write another novel where it would be a, a central female protagonist yeah. and mm. and um and that's kind of my jam and um and I'm really interested in, in sure. centering the female voice as much as possible. And so initially I'm like, okay, it's mm. a girl, um, and I'm like, she's coming to the island. Mm. 
for a reason. I don't know what that is yet. I'm mm. going to figure it out. And, and mm. then I'm like, oh, she has a sister. She's coming to the island and she's with her sister and they're getting away from someone. Mm. Like they're running away. I don't know why the island is a good place to go when you're running away, but that's what <laughs> yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so what are they doing there? And, and I immediately had this picture of like a, of like a cantina or like a restaurant mm. where they mm. would go under, under um, you know, an, a, an alias of some description where yeah. they would yeah. be an, anonymous and take on new lives and, and be working in the bar there. Mm. And so this was this was going along, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm about five or even six thousand words into just feeling my way into the start, mm. and then the door opens in the cantina, and this guy walks in, and he's wearing just this massive oilskin coat, and he's got really big boots, and he's just covered in mud, and he's got this really long manky hair that's hanging in front of his face, and mm. and he came in, and I just from the perspective of my character behind mm. the bar, I just looked up and I'm like, who is this guy? Mm. And immediately I knew, I was like, oh, actually this is his story. Mm. Right, yeah. And right, he, just, he just walked in and took over. Yeah. And, mm. um, and, I, and I fought that for a bit. And I'm like, no, 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 this is her story. Back <laughs> off, buddy. Yep. But he was so compelling and he came into the room and I just knew that he was... that. that I could feel the weight of his of the burden that was on him, like that he was yeah. carrying a, a real burden mm. in his and within himself, and and I just wanted to get closer. And I'm like, why is his hair yeah, over yeah. his face? And mm. I looked closer, and I was like, oh, he has a scar on his jaw, and he hates people looking at it. And I'm like, where did that scar come from? And 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 why is you know? And I could just have all this. I had all this real sense about who he was, and mm. he mm. became Cal. In the novel, but I, I maintained that that girl as well, and so it became a shared narrative, which is something mm. I never thought I would write because it's mm. not something I've ever leaned towards. Yeah, I've always multiple points of view. Yeah, much yeah. preferred to, to that mm. singular voice, and and I guess because in the past, where novels I felt haven't given equal voices, yeah. or the yeah. voices haven't sure. been equally authentic to me, or haven't resonated mm. with me, and then I always resent the other characters and I'm desperate to get back to the character that I love or that I align yeah, with. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, dude, am I going to be this? Is this me now? Am I going to do this? <laughs> am I doing this? People yeah, will be like, yeah. well, I loved Cal, but I hated, I hated yeah, Meg. You know? yes. But that hasn't happened, thankfully. Yeah. But anyway, so it was a really great experience for me to write a shared narrative. And I sure. actually wonder if that process was, was a, a fabulous tool mm. for keeping the writing fresh. Yeah, you know what I mean? Different. Like yeah, not yeah, yeah, having yeah. to stay in one voice mm. so long and then getting to shift into that other body and see that other point of view. Mm. Did you have that as well, Ian? Because I know in your novella series you have uh, yeah. Felicity who's yeah. uh, taking over. Like yes. what What was that like? Was that the same thing? Well, this is interesting because I was listening to you talk about the, the perspective twist and I was thinking about, uh, well, I, I originally set out to write, um, this. I haven't published it, Joel has read it and given me some great feedback and I'm currently working through that um, a shared novel um, uh, which has both Ambrose and his sister Felicity and Felicity's been a character but now she's a perspective and um, I, I was about three chapters in and I started writing and I realised oh actually this story will entirely have to have Felicity's point of view because they're coming back to a university they both, they both went to they've both got unfinished business her story actually was just as powerful and they're both kind of broken by what happened there so it, it began it was interesting I was, I was writing a particular scene and I started to realize that this isn't this isn't um, him telling it anymore it's got to be her did you so resist that or did you just I I just realized it had mm. to happen I think and uh, it was the best decision I think that I'd made I didn't expect I didn't expect that going in I thought I'd just write another 
another Don't thing. Don't you find, though, mm. I think that's part of the faith that you actually have to have as a writer mm. and that you actually have to trust the process. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's like, you know, in a way, you know, we always come to that moment mm. where we actually have to yield to the story yeah. yes, and allow yeah. the mm. story to do what it wants, which always sounds totally wanky. Yeah. It's really hard to explain that to yeah. other people. They're like, oh, all right, yeah. yield yeah. to all the right, story. Right. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. the story yeah. doesn't, it's not yeah. a real thing. Yeah, that's right. Stephen but King says. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure Stephen King would say this too. Yeah. I know. Like, yeah. you do. In the end, you actually have to give the story what it wants. Yeah. And, yeah. and and you won't be satisfied until you do. I will, and then you will bang your head yes, on a brick yeah, wall exactly. until you finally give in and, and give relax, the story yeah. what it wants. And, and I then have, it works. I had this exact same experience. Mm. So this is mm. the novel that I was working on. This this weird fiction thing that we talked about in the last podcast had that problem. Mm. So I didn't tell. I didn't have that conversation really. But mm. really, that's that. Mm-hmm. I resisted the idea of making a choice yeah. mm. in the middle of the novel. And the entire process was painful. I finished the first draft and hated it. Yeah. Uh, You know, it was just a mess. And I thought, went back to it and I said, that's just not my novel. You know, that's not what I wanted to do. Mm. But that's that's not what the story was going for. And it didn't work. So then I went through that entirely painful process of deleting almost half the book and just going through and being like, oh, now let pain. me submit yeah. to this and process. Yeah, and yeah. I've never done that before in one mm. sense. Like ardently resisted something and said, no, that's not the novel I'm yeah. writing. Yeah, I think I think you can you can spot it as well. Sometimes it, it, that could happen at several stages during the writing mm. process. And maybe it's a, it's an editor's uh, you know gentle tap that says, actually, have you considered... It looks like this is where it's wanting to go, yeah. and have you considered push it in the right direction? Yeah, pushing it in the right direction. That's the the, the magic of um, of editing in that sense. But um, yeah, I think that that resistance that you feel, and it's it's there's a real relief if you kind of give in to yeah, you Absolutely. know, this has to happen because yeah. I think for me, I was I could have gone on for a fifth for a fifth novella in the same fashion as what had happened. But actually, I realized that, I, and I'd already sensed that it was Ambrose was probably finishing up. But this was really like, okay, I can see a whole new direction mm. here. Can and I ask you a question? Mm. Why, why a novella? What's stopping you from making it a full novel? This is a full novel. Good question. The story to demand- no, and there it. you yeah. go. You, you picked, picked it. It. Yeah. it is actually a novel. It has to be because, like, by yeah, very, very prescient of you, uh, <laughs> Rachel, to spot that. Yeah, so it's not the longest novel in the world, but it is a full novel. Rachel is looking be. very smug right now. Yeah, she's like, I knew it. She's like, I know the story. I sensed it in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it was right there. But I mean, and it was there. I, I've got to ask as well. Finishing uh, the rift, was there a sense that it w- that was different from when you finished um, Spark Trilogy? Um, mm. I think probably because I knew in advance that it would be a standalone, mm. and so there was a very much a sense of like this is the full stop. Yeah. Even though people who read the rift will hate me for that because it's, <laughs> it's very open ended, which mm. which people you know have very strong feelings about. But sure. I'm like, ha screw you. That's the way I write. Yeah. Um, no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, there's always that. I'm always very drawn to an sure, open, yeah. open-ended kind of storytelling, and yeah, and and so with the rift, I felt like, you know, I mean, mm. you know, all of the questions that are, that pe- that exist in the in the world of the story, or the things that people mm. want answers to, I actually have all of the answers, but I mm. just am not going to give them. Yeah, and. But it's kind of a choice that I've made. Like, I actually don't want to spend any more time in that world yeah, currently. I'm not sure. Gonna, I never say never. Mm. Never yeah. say never to anything. I may. I mean, and and I can definitely see what other story could come from it. Like, yeah, and sure. what other point of, of view, or yeah, yeah. or mm. even in Megan Cal's journey, like mm. what more could go on there. 
Um, but n- I, I really felt like it would. No, this is only going to be a, a one-off. Was mm. that a freeing experience to just realize that, like, this is it? I've got one yeah. book. Mike this drawing. is how um, it's going to go. No, I I think it's actually kind of liberating. Mm. And so, uh, whereas you know, when you take on a trilogy, there is uh, it is exciting, but it's also a burden. You yeah, know, it's a burden as it. well, and it's mm. like holy crap. And you know, you're in that world, and you're writing that voice. For, I mean, in my mm. case, you know, the Spark trilogy. It's only three novels, but that was actually, you know, nearly nine years of yeah. my life. Yeah. yeah, Nine years is a long time to be in, in one person's yeah. head mm. and in one world, you know. And I think, I mean, I was really ready to mm. be in a different world. And, and so, yeah, I was excited to, yeah, it was fun. It was liberating. And what was really cool about it for me was, I mean, there was lots of cool things about it for me, mm. but... Um, you know, answered that question. Can I write a dual narrative? Can I write, you know, yeah. two points? Can I create two completely different voices? And I love that. I look at it and I'm going, mm. yeah, like Cal is completely his own person and mm. and Meg is completely her own person. And, and I can see the difference in the writing and, and how I write their voices. And, and that excites me. And it makes me, it encourages me. Sure. It makes me feel yeah. like, oh, you know, I'm not just a one-trick pony, mm. you know, that I can, <laughs> that there are other yeah. stories, You've got other stories worlds, other you. characters yeah, in absolutely. me. And, and so, yeah, that is exciting. And mm. and what I'm working on at the moment, I just sort of feel that again. It's like mm. I look at those, the, the characters in my, in, my, in my current manuscript and I'm like, and they are completely different again. Mm. And I'm mm. like, wow, you know. There are worlds within worlds within worlds. It's so it's just exciting. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, speaking of endings, mm. we are at the very end of this episode. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening, as mm. you always do. Um, <laughs> Rachel, tell us about what you've got coming up. Uh, any events, social media links? Um, so I am going to be on the Gold Coast this weekend um, for Supernova. Um, to finish off this leg of the tour. I'm excited for that. Uh, this Thursday night, actually, we've got um, Dark Imaginings with Sarah Epstein mm. and Katya DiBacera, um, and that's happening at Reading's Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, I'm just hanging around making all of my writer mates go out for dinner with me, like Fantastic. you guys. Yep. Um, <laughs> just hanging out, just hanging out. <laughs> mm. And seeing Melbourne, so that's been super cool. Mm. Um, then when I go home, it'll be straight back into the school holidays over there with my mm. kids and then back into teaching and writing and that will be my life. But if you want to find me, come and see me on Instagram. It's Rachel Craw. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Facebook's kind of But if you want to really chat to me, come and find me on Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> and my website has all my details as well. Amazing. Well, thank you for joining us, Rachel. It's my been a pleasure. pleasure. My mm. pleasure. Amazing. Ian, where can people find you? What have you got coming up? Oh, find me <laughs> tweeting at uh, IHLaking. Uh, it's probably the best way to keep a hold of things. And uh, you can sign up to my newsletter at IHLaking.com to see a newsletter when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it will. <laughs> All right, he it's says been folding long, yeah. his arms. Yeah. yeah, it's very defensive body. Yeah. No, I know. Cross the legs, very cross the close. arms, the yeah. posture, fingers. No it's crossed. It's good. But yeah, please come see me on Twitter. Say hi. Amazing. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, when I'm away in May, Ian will be taking over duties as host of the podcast. Mm. So be nice to him. <laughs> he has an amazing list of guests, um, and I can't wait to listen mm. to those. 
So there you go. Um, as for the Morning Bell, you can find the morningbell.com.au. Um, our Twitter is at specficvic. Uh, speculate's all done and dusted, and we've got some news. So stay tuned to newsletters, and we'll have information for you there. Um, and our Twitter as well. And I think that's it. I think we're all done. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.